Let's open our Bibles, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Last time we were in chapter 3, we began chapter 3, and he said, finally, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, rejoice in the Lord. And it's repeated again and again through this book because we need it. And, and I know I need to hear it again and again. Lord, the Lord says, rejoice in Him. Rejoice in me, He says to um, each one of us, because the circumstances and the, and the things of this life, they cannot take Him and His love away from us. They cannot take Him or His love away from us. He, he said there, watch out for the dogs. And, and really, the dogs are those stealers of our joy and trust in Jesus, our hope in Jesus. They, you know, they, they add things you know, that can add anything to faith for salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. Man can do nothing, someone wrote, in his own strength to win God's smile of approval. We already have it because of Jesus. So Paul, if anyone had a reason to be confident, it was Paul. He had all the religious things that he could be confident about, and he gives us his list. But in the end, look at verse 7. <coughs> he says, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That's pretty incredible here. You see, Paul's heart really was to know Jesus. He says it there. He, he talks about knowing Christ. He talks about gaining Christ. He talks about being found in Jesus. That was his heart. It was all about being, knowing, and being found in Him and having more of Him. That's why we sang songs like we did today because that's the, the theme that I see in these verses we're looking at today is, is to know Him. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Notice he says that. So the question I think that uh, we, we need to ask ourselves, each one of us today, is do we know him? Do you know him? You see, you know, we say this, and we say it kind of like because we've been taught it and we've learned it. This is what you're supposed to say um, in most evangelical churches, you know, that it's not a religion, but a See, you all know this saying, but you see, there's something, you know, that someone didn't just make that up as a good catchphrase. It's because of what the Word of God says. A relationship, a personal relationship. Notice he says, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let me ask you a question. How do you get to know someone? How do you get to know someone? Spend time with them first. First, you all said that. Yep. What else? What else do you add to that? That's the, that's the number one thing. Listen to them. Listen to them. Yeah. Listen to them. What else? How do you get to know someone? Talk to them. Yeah. It's two way, right? Yeah. What else? Anything else? Know their family, get involved in, in the whole family, yeah. What else? How do you really get to know someone? I mean, really get to know them. You share with them, right. You share 
important things. You share your thoughts, your heart with them. You, you kind of, you know, communicate. And, and you know, the truth of the, the matter is that it takes time, doesn't it? It doesn't happen overnight. You don't get to know somebody in a day. There, I think there are rare, rare occasions where, um, you know, you meet someone and, and like, you know, and this has happened maybe once or twice in my life where you meet someone and you kind of, you click on this relationship level and it's just like, but it's very rare. Usually it just takes a long time of getting to know someone and, and, and learning to trust them, right? You know, with sharing some important things and, and whether, you know, you can trust them and they're not going to go out and tell everybody what you said. And you really can't get to know that many people on that deep level, can you? I mean, how many of you have a hundred really, really close friends? How about one? Yeah, I mean, see, you know, it, 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 some of us, sad to say, don't even have any close friends because we never take these steps that we just outlined of spending time. We never, I don't got time for that. I'm too busy building my kingdom. I'm too busy, you know, working on my thing and, and making my money and doing all. I never get to know anybody. I don't even know my wife or my husband. I don't know my kids because I'm so busy doing all this stuff. I don't know the people at the church because I never hang out. The coffee is horrible, so I don't stay for it. No, just kidding. It's great coffee, Denise. Where are you? They only have donuts once a month. I mean, what's up with that? How are you going to get to know somebody? Well, the truth, truth of the matter is you need, to, you need to spend a little time and make yourself a little vulnerable and hang around a little bit. Maybe go to a small group that's meeting some, some other night of the week where you can hang out and find out someone's name. Starts by knowing someone's name, right? And, and we sing that little medley about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Paul says, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Look at verse 10 and 11. These are the verses we're going to look at today. Verses 10 and 11. He says it again. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to know Christ. There was something in him that he just wasn't satisfied. He just, just wasn't enough. I want to know him more and more. He wasn't just settling for a kind of a casual acquaintance type relationship. Do you know him is the question. Do you really know him? Look back at Ephesians, back just a few pages. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 one of Paul's prayers for the Ephesian church. <clears throat> in verse 17, and there's so much more here, but look, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what? So that you may know him better. He prayed for those people that God would pour out and God would allow them and help them to know him better and better. I think we do need help with that because we're human beings and he's divine. He's God. There, there's a big difference, right? Between God and us. 
And so I think we do need help. And Paul prayed that they would have the, the help and, and by the Spirit of God that we would come to know Him. But on the, on the other hand, I also believe that God isn't trying to hide from us. He wants us to know Him. He desires us to know Him. He wants us to have a, a, a growing relationship with Him. It's not like you just meet somebody. You know, you, you know their name, you meet them, and that's, the, that's like the relationship. If you had a relationship like that with someone, it's really not that special. It's really not that deep. It's not that important. But when you get to know their name, and then you begin to get to know what they're like and how they feel and what they think about and what's important to them, and you, you build on that and you build this relationship, sometimes I've seen it where people, they, they think they just... Well, I'm just going to trust Jesus. I'm going to ask Him to be my Lord and Savior. And then that's it. It stops right there. Well, you know what? It doesn't stop right there. It, it just begins right there. I think when you think about the Bible, the, the, this book that we believe in and that God gave to us, I think from cover to cover, the Bible is about knowing God. From cover to cover, the Bible is about knowing Him. When you look back in the book of Genesis, you see it says the Lord God is walking in the garden, right? With Adam and Eve. He's having this relationship with them. We know what happens after that, though. Sin enters in Genesis chapter 3, and sin creates a, a, an issue between God and them. And what happens to Adam and Eve? They hide, right? They hide from God. And then, and then going on from there, we see that God sends His Son to restore the relationship, to make the relationship open again through the book of, through the, through the uh, cross and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. God wants us to know Him and He wants to know us in this relationship. In the book of Revelation, the last uh, chapters are about the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And it says this, that the John the... Apostle, he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This relationship, you see, from beginning to end, it's all about having a relationship with God. That's God's plan. That's God's desire for us to know Him personally, each one of us. Not to, not to, know just, not to just know about Him, though that's important. It's important. It's part of knowing someone is to know things about them, right? You know about someone, and that's, that's you know, we don't, we don't downplay that, but it, it's got to go you know, deeper than that, to actually know Him personally. That's what Paul says here, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him better as he was praying for the Ephesians. It's not, as someone said, simply intellectual knowledge, the, the knowledge of certain facts or even principles. It is the personal experience of another person. The personal experience of another person. Do you know Him like this? Personal knowledge, to know by experience. See, Paul had met Jesus where? Anybody remember? On the Damascus Road. 
Right? He was going out to actually persecute Christians, and he met God on the Damascus Road. He was changed, but, but he continued to develop that relationship. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. John chapter 17. There's a pretty cool definition of eternal life here. You say, what is eternal life? Oh, it's living forever and ever. Well, yeah, but, but look what, what Jesus said about what is eternal life. What really is eternal life? What is life that is so uh, important and so forever? What does he say here in John 17, 3? He says, now this is eternal life. What? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they may know you that we might know God the Father and Jesus His Son. That's what eternal life is. It's just the beginning of a relationship that we would know Him, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. How about John chapter 10, verse 14 and 15? Back a few chapters. John chapter 10, uh, in trouble here. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And what? My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Is that incredible? He, he, relates, he, he, he relates the, uh, the knowledge of knowing the shepherd and the shepherd knowing him, uh, knowing them, to the relationship between Jesus and the Father. So what does that tell you? That the relationship between Jesus and His Father is absolutely, phenomenally incredible. So why shouldn't our relationship with God be that, that same sort of way? It's not going to be perfect like theirs, of course, at least not here. But Paul says back in Philippians now, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. He goes on and says, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. He says, I want to know Christ, and, and there's so much about Him, and so much knowing Him can do in, in His own life. He starts with the power of the resurrection. We just celebrated Easter in this incredible power. And one man said that, that he longed, Paul longed for an ever-increasing supply of that power that proceeds from the risen, exalted Savior. He wants that power, and, and he talked about it back in Ephesians in that same prayer for them, about that incomparably great power for us who believe that that, that would be a part of his life. I want to know him, but also there's, there's things that come along with it. And the first thing he mentions is power. I don't know about you, but I need power in my life. I need strength that I don't have in my life. Now, Paul could stop there and say, you know, it's all just about the power. And, and, and um, you know, perhaps you've seen and heard messages and preaching, and it's just all about the power, right? I got the power. You know, and, and we're just all screaming out for the power, and, and it's all about the power. Power is good. I'm all about the power, too, but, 
But how do you get the It's a whole package, right? It's the whole package of Jesus. It's not just the pieces you want and that I want. It's the whole package. He goes on, he talks about the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Resurrection, sufferings, the death. Power, I think, power comes by the way of the cross. If Jesus never died, there would there, there be no resurrection that we could be talking about, Right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. There's something in the sufferings. He said in Romans, we, 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 are, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His joy, excuse me, in His glory. I want to know Christ. I also want to know his, his power, but I also need to know His sufferings. And I need to know His death, the cross. We can never get far away from it if we, we truly want to know Him and, and walk with Him. This idea of walking with Jesus, you know, this is how you get to know somebody, right? It's kind of hard to carry on a conversation when you're running with someone. Although I guess people can do that. But... For me, I can't even barely breathe, um, much less talk to someone running, you know. I, it's, to be honest, I don't run that often anymore, unless someone's after me. <laughs> but walking, when you go for a walk with someone, you're walking along and you're usually talking, you're sharing and talking with each other. And to walk with Jesus in this life, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. But Jesus said, he called the crowd, crowd to him along with his disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me or walk with me, follow me, he says he, what, he must what? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. There's suffering and there's a cross. It's part of knowing him. You know, we, we heard this morning about suffering and and, and, you know, it's part of, part of what we face in this life. I, I, you know, I wish I could say to you, trust in Jesus and all of it will go away. It's going to be perfect, wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. We'll make it into a movie, your life, big movie on the big screen. It is a wonderful life. But you know what? There's a little bit of suffering that goes along with it. And for us to be part of that. The truth is, when we share life with someone, when we really get to know them, it's not a very good relationship if we leave out the parts that have suffering in them. But when we really get to know them, it includes that suffering. We include, it includes the pain. When, when, when someone you know and love is hurting and you're hurting, you rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And there's a, there's a connection. There's something that goes on, you see. And so for us to have that connection with our Savior Jesus. Someone said this, there's no fellowship as sweet as that which one has with friends in their suffering. We share our joys with many, our sorrows with only a privileged few of our friends. And it's that way with God. It was the, the favored three whom Jesus took with him into the deeper shades of Gethsemane. 
Paul had come to know Christ in the sacred intimacy of his sufferings as he could have known him in no other way, and he counted the experience a privilege. Paul suffered a lot. You can, you can look for the, there's passages when he'll go on for almost a whole chapter of the things that he was suffering, the things that he had to go through. But you know what? I, I, I truly believe, and I, I hate to admit this, but I truly believe that we get to know Jesus better during the sufferings of our lives than we do when everything is going wonderful. It's just that way. I don't know why it is. When, when things are going all great, we are just, you know... We don't have a thought of him. We don't really care. We're just doing our thing. We're having a great time. But when we're suffering, we're reaching out to him, aren't we? We're, we're saying, Jesus, 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 I need, I, need, I need you now. I need you in my life today. I need to know you more. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. There's something about the valleys, right? You know, things grow in the valleys, but you get up on the mountaintops, things don't grow up there, right? Jesus said, well, David said, Psalm 23, you know, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You're with me in that valley, in the shadow of death. It's a wonderful life. But it does include these different things. And I think we have to learn to be patient and just trust. I heard the women talk this last week about surrendered faith. Surrendered faith. And that's what we heard from Pam this morning as well, the surrendered faith. Surrender, you just give up. I trust. I surrender. That last verse there, though, he says, somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I don't think it's an uncertainty as to his future eternal life. I think he was referring to this resurrection power here and now. But it came through the way of suffering and through the cross. Paul said in Romans 8, he said, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Life, resurrection, life now. So, do you know him? Do you really know him? Are you developing a relationship with him? Let me ask you a couple more questions. Do you, how do you know if you know him? How do you know if you know him? Oh, I know Billy Graham. No, I don't really know Billy Graham. I know about Billy Graham. How do you know if you really know him? Well, since none of you are answering, you obviously don't know. Um, the, fir the first thing that I knew when I knew him is that I knew that I knew him. Is that crazy? There's something, you just know that you know that you have a relationship with the living God, that you know deep inside you. And I think it's that, what I just quoted from Romans chapter 8, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God living in you. And you just know there's something, there's a relationship with him. Of course, it, it goes on from there. How do you know if you know him? I, I, I got a phone call. Actually, I got a phone call from my mother. She's out of the hospital. She was in the hospital for three weeks. She's out of the hospital doing okay. She calls me, and my mother never calls me. Says, you got to call your sister. 
okay, I'll call my sister. My sister had a gallbladder removed and big, almost exploded or whatever happens. And, and, um, and she says, you know, I, I, she says, I know you're my Christian brother compared to my other brothers. And she says, she starts telling me about how she's praying and about how she's, you know, she is praying before, you know, she goes to work and before she eats meals and, and listening to, you know, K-Wave, this Christian radio station in California, but, you know, every day on her way home from work and, and she heard this message about forgiving people and, 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 and I'm going like, if you, and I can't even go into all the details of her life, but something's going on there, you see. But I think, I think if she gets to know Jesus Christ the way that I think, she's going to know, she's going to know there's something going on inside of her. Now, is, does that mean her life is perfect? No, but, but, but again, what we've been seeing here in Philippians chapter 1, that he who began a good work in you will what? Bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. How do you know if you know him? Something's going on inside of you. I knew it. I knew there was something going on. I didn't understand it. You may not understand it, but it's real. That's one side of it. But there are other things. Let me read to you a few verses in 1 John, and I won't have you turn there. We're running out of time. 1 John chapter 2, he says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. That is how we know we are in him. He says that the relationship is developing to such an extent that we actually do what he says. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey what I command. So for someone to say, oh, I know God so well, and it doesn't affect our lives at all, Bogus. That's what John said. He didn't use that word, right? He said liar. He said you're actually a liar. He said later, 1 John 4, he said, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. There's love coming out of your life. Because if you know Jesus, he's, he, he, greater love is no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. He's the... He's the the Savior, He's full of love. And if we know Him, that love just kind of comes into us and changes us. That doesn't mean overnight we're, all, you know, all of a sudden we're this glowing ball of love or something. But, but something happens inside of us. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's why when she began to say, you know, I, I, I heard this message about forgiving people. Well, that's God's love in her, you see. That's God's love. Is it a perfect knowledge? No, it's not. It's definitely not. At least not here. But we make it our goal, like Paul was saying, to know him better, as best as we can, that it's a growing relationship. And again, how do we do it? How do we build? How does a relationship grow through the things we said before? Spending time. I think we get to know our television sets pretty well. You know, uh, I haven't heard recently what the um, 
what the um, number of hours the typical American household uh, is, uh, are, is, whatever. But I, I think it's like up in the eight hours a day the thing is on at least, right? Is that true? You get to know some of those characters pretty well. Spend a lot of time. We don't do a lot of talking. We do a lot of listening, and then we don't even talk to the person sitting next to us. Spending time, a little bit of time with Jesus, you know, if you can take 15 minutes a day, spending time with him, listening, talking to him, reading his word, asking him, telling him, listen, I, I don't know you very well. I'm not sure I know you at all, but I want to. I'd like to. I want you to turn to a passage in Jeremiah with me. It was just a couple more passages before we close. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah, about the middle of your Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this. See what he says? That he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. That's something to boast about, man, that you know the living God, the creator of the universe. Peter said, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Last passage, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Go back to the left even further. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And that'll be the final, finally. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And then I have a little clip for you. You know the story of Samuel. Perhaps you do. The Lord was calling Samuel. And, and when um, Pam was talking today, I, I was thinking of, of Samuel's mother, you know, uh, the heartache that she had actually before she had him, but the heartache that she had about this child. And then she ended up giving him completely over to the Lord. And and uh, I imagine that was hard for her, too, because she went so, so long without children, then she gave him over to the Lord, and, and she had to leave him there. God blessed her with other children. Yes, it's true, but I'm sure there was still this, this uh, heartache. But, but she, uh, she gave him over to the Lord, and he, he grew up there with the priest and, and in the, at the tabernacle. And uh, the Lord was calling him. And it says there in verse 7, the Lord had called him a number of times. In verse 7 it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He'd been there for a while. He, he was there amongst all the things of the, of the worship of the tabernacle. But he didn't yet know the Lord. You can come to church for years. I've seen it. Uh, repeatedly, you can come to church, you can go to good churches and, and go there for years and yet not know him. But God was calling him. 
And God didn't stop calling him. Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up and went to Eli. The priest said, here I am, you call me. He thought it was Eli. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And God spoke to him. He began to understand. He began to hear. He began to listen. God had been calling him for a while. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times. He called him by name. Notice that. He developed a very real and a very personal relationship with the Lord Samuel did. Look down to verse 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord came to, uh, continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel. How? Through his word. He let none of his words fall to the ground. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. How do we get to know him primarily? Number one, through his word, by his spirit through experiences that we have, through the trials, the testings, the troubles of, of this life. But we develop this very real and personal relationship with him. Do you know him? I want to play a, a, a clip for you here before we finish. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well of wisdom. He's a doorway of the 
I'd say it's going to take a little while to get to know all that, huh? He's, he's a eternal, the Almighty God. Let's pray together, shall we?